a lot of pressure, a lot of talk. So now we are in the final Let's let's do this one like a real episode. That's the that's the, the goal. All right, uh, three, two, one. Here we go from uh, all of our houses. It is play normal. No, it's not play normal. You sports. It. Gosh. So this is not like a real episode. Let's 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 start over and do it like a real episode. <laughs> let's start over and do it like a real episode. Uh, three, two, one. This is Pod V Ed with uh, Justin, Tyson, and Jeremy. And uh, we are going to be just checking in on, uh, do something a little different here. We're just going to talk about what we have uh, on our minds as far as local state issues and kind of take a peek at the upcoming Bloomington City Council meeting, see what's going on there. And uh, before we start, we are not at the Point Normal Esports studio, but they are still a sponsor of ours, and they're still open, and they are, they're working hard on phone cleanings right now. So if you know if there's anything in your house that has COVID-19 on it, it is definitely your phone, because that thing is gross. So take it on. <laughs> do yourself a favor. Do everyone a favor. Bring it over to plain, to um, to normal gadgets, and normal gadgets will clean that sucker up for you professionally and also address any other kind of issues you have going on with that. Um, try to make these ads more like Joe Rogan, but I just are, it's hard to, to not to swear when I'm doing that. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so thanks to them for their continual support and, uh, hello, hello, Justin, how you doing What's today? Up? Good. How you doing? Awesome. And Jeremy. Hello there. Hello. Sitting in my car, quarantine edition. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, I really miss, uh, sitting down talking to people in person. It's so much more pleasant. How you guys been holding up? How you been taking care of yourselves? Um, I've been okay. I've been, I mean, I'm still working, um, doing pr- uh, primarily from home right now. So I'm um, in my basement, but that's keeping me busy. Of course, I'm like everybody else and miss people, miss gatherings, but doing what we can. Similar here, working, working from home. Uh, the extrovert in me is, is having a little bit of hard time. And that's coupled with the 14-year-old kid that's used to running miles a day and happen to be shut in and not playing soccer with friends is making him itch a little bit. But, yeah. you know, life life's okay. We're blessed. Yeah. I think I'm hearing a guest appearance by your beard rubbing against your mic there, too. How's your COVID beard going? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm about three weeks from being fully Amish uh, looking. <laughs> got a little more gray than I'd like in it. But, you know, you, you are here in the beard. Yeah. Nice. Um, I imagine this is really disruptive to the the fire st- uh, um, the soccer club stuff that you're involved with, right, Jeremy? Is there? Yeah, quite quite a little bit. We had uh, we had some things happen in the background, and, and like everything else, it just complete hold. But uh, we continue working and and working on that, just like everything else. Just yeah. going a little little different path right now than we would have thought two months ago. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. So I mean, what's what's on all our mind clearly is when, you know. So we we've we've quarantined, we've successfully sheltered in place, right? Um, we all know what that means now. I'm, I'm seeing acceptance of masks around, but there's, uh, you know, now there's this this question of how long do we, how long is the responsible length for keeping things shut down the way they are, and and what's the speed we should start reopening certain things? Um, what what do you guys kind of seeing on that from where you're sitting?
Justin? Sorry, I was, I was deferring to Justin. What have you been kind of look at, Justin, to try to see, um, like, what's what's the metrics you're kind of considering with things of how how to feel safe reopening things? Sorry, I was having I was having internet problems for a second. Sorry, um, no but I heard I heard you repeat the question. Um, the uh, for us, like being an insurance financial, we were considered essential this whole time, but that kind of seemed ridiculous to me um, to stay open during this because we can do so much of our business virtually and over the phone. So we've been closed. Our doors have been closed to the public. Um, you know, for the last several weeks. Um, but I think on Monday, actually, we're going to decide to open the doors to the public uh, just as a transition kind of period. We're going to require masks like like every like the governor's asked. And I don't see a whole lot of foot traffic, you know, picking up or anything at the office. Um, but it's just to help us kind of transition mentally to hopefully um, a point where we can get back to somewhat of a normal stance. But um, yeah, I mean, that's I, what I see with a lot of businesses. They're just all trying to figure it out, you know, by the seat of their pants. Um, you know, they, a lot of places want to open as quickly as possible, which I definitely understand with, with you know, having a strain on your cash flow. Um, but we also want to make sure we do it as safely as possible. So I don't know. I mean, I, I throughout this thing, I felt completely lucky just because of, of the way the nature of my business, being able to do it from home and do it virtually. Uh, but others don't have that, that kind of uh, luck, I guess. Yeah. So kind of looking more broadly. I mean, um, it, I did wonder if masks were going to get socially accepted by us because it, it, I do recall a few months ago, um, you know, it was pretty much something that you would see in Asian cultures, but it really wasn't at all a part of, uh, something you would see, a see a general American, um, doing unless they had some really bad sickness that they were protecting themselves from. But I have been surprised at how much, that has seemed to have changed when I, when I've, I've gone out to a couple places and everyone seems to have their masks on. And, um, I mean, some people don't, myself included, trying to figure out exactly how you're supposed to navigate certain types of things. Not, you know, like I'll see people with just them over their chin and I'm like, yeah, that's, you're not doing that right. Um, <laughs> or, yeah. or like and, not covering their nose or something so. and, and pulling it down, like while they're shopping, like I've seen that, like people, um, someone posted on Facebook earlier today. I saw where some, they saw someone pull down their mask, lick their fingers to like separate the plastic bag by the produce and then put their mask back on. I'm like, yeah, mm. that's the yeah. network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw the same thing the other day, uh, on the mask down um without mentioning where went to went to get some food and uh you know both the workers at the front had them at the bottom of their chin with gloves on and all that i'm like yeah good attempt but now you're just you know you're making that token attempt or i went to get gas and you know sign of the door everybody in here must have masks so i threw mine on and walked in and uh, i was one of about 10 people in there only one with mask on like yeah this this sign's only for liability purposes got it well yeah I don't want to like, I don't know how to bring that up to people and be polite and not sound like an asshole either, because like, I don't want to, everybody's trying to figure it out. I mean, if you're just blatantly not doing it and that's, you're just being a jerk, I think it's my opinion, but you know, people that like pull down their mask and, and that kind of stuff throughout their shopping experience, like you want to remind them like, Hey, that's not helping. But I also don't want to be the jerk that comes up and acts like I'm, you know, superior to everybody else. So I don't know. I think we got to give some grace to everybody trying to figure out the new, thing with these masks and try to do the best we can but yeah yeah yep do you guys have any sort of 
any sort of guesses or ideas like are we wearing masks all summer are we social distancing all summer like what do you how in the world do you even assess such a thing well bloomington shut the pools right they shut down the pools they canceled the fireworks and i mean that's all the way out in july um you know i mean i don't i don't know i think you're gonna i think you're definitely going to see people wearing masks all year long um whether it's a requirement i don't know um yeah state farm has closed the state farm park all the whole season Yeah. yeah that was a huge blow to our family we spend a lot of time out there that's that's a hard tough one to swallow and, and I agree. I agree with Justin there. Of uh, you know, everybody's kind of going to be able to pick and, and choose a little bit and how they handle it, how they deal with it with their business and whatnot. Um, I I've, I've been watching what's happening in Indiana. Um, the governor basically started the reopening process there March 23rd, June 4th. They're already up to I want to say 50 percent of restaurant capacity can be open. Um, here in two weeks, there are actually bars and and. Those sort of things are opening gatherings up to 100 people. So uh, you got Missouri and Iowa starting to open on the, w- the other side of the border. Um, you know, Missouri is going to have concerts here in the next month, which I, I don't know how you do that um, it, unless, you know, unless numbers are so low. But um, it, that, that seems a little bit extra risk. But I, looking at Indiana, I think you're going to have an A-B test with Illinois. Mm-hmm. Your, your people are pushing here to shut down. Uh, up up north, definitely. I don't think South I-80. I kind of agree with Berkman's editorial in Panagraph the other day that uh, South I-80, different than Chicago. We need to look, approach it differently. Depending on what happens with Indiana, if their numbers go up, if they don't, it, it's kind of a cross-test. And, and if numbers don't go up, I think you're going to see more like Clark County came out saying start reopening. Madison County down by St. Louis, the health department came out. Um, I think I just saw something in the paper today about Ford County uh, here locally starting to reopen. So you're going to see this regionalized phase push and definitely South by 80, I think. Yeah, I think that's if I'm looking at the state level tensions, I think it's the old Chicago versus downstate tension that's really flaring up here. And if you look at any kind of Illinois wide numbers, it doesn't look good. I just looked at this morning, like total number of deaths. It, it has not started to flatten off yet when you look at the whole state. But you remove Chicago from that, which I didn't have the ability to do in the data I was looking at. I think it looks a lot different. I think it's it's you know kind of crawling along at a, a pace. And I'm, I'm in kind of in agreement there with you, Jeremy, that Iowa and Indiana outside of their cities is probably a lot better indication of what we should expect around here. Um, yeah, it's and, a shame. Maybe not political. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't mean to make it, take it there. I, I really apologize. I, but, uh, it, it all kind of depends on what happens and what the, what the data is showing. Does, is there a increase in numbers that they're not watch that and, and make decisions going from there, but you got to have the good data. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying you make it political. I just meant in general, I, it has disappointed me about how this yet again has turned into a political argument where you've got your entrenched tribes getting different information. And, um, you know, for, for some, the fact that I would even consider, um, opening up businesses, it means like, Oh, well you might, you know, well you must be a Trump supporter then. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh man, how did this happen? So it's, uh, you know, or, know, back to the or, or you must not care about, 
yeah, you must not care about family. And I mean, I got two family members big time at risk and so care about it, but you need to balance everything. Yeah. So I'll pull that back to the city agenda. There is something on there about the ordinance. Um, so the emergency, as far as I understand it, the emergency ordinance that got passed um, about a month ago, those are only effective for a period of days, I think just for like 30 days or something along those lines. And so now they're, they're re-upping that emergency ordinance and uh, it's going to, there's two little changes in it. I'm just kind of pulling it up now and looking at it. There's two changes. One is to um, allow it more efficiency, seeking out grants related to relief for the for the um, crisis. The so city manager has more authority to approve grant applications. Um, seems pretty reasonable. And then the second modification is to prorate liquor fees for the for people who have liquor licenses that aren't operating. Um, that seems kind of fair too. You uh, any any thoughts on that whole thing, or just in general how Bloomington has handled it? I th- I mean I think it's local municipalities probably have the toughest job um, out of all the layers. Be just. I mean, they got to kind of wait and see what the state does, what the federal government does. They don't like there was something on the agenda. Um, I don't know if it was last week or a week before uh, about giving some of the surplus back. I think it was Crable that uh, Alderman Crable that, that presented it. Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to start doing that before you know what kind of grants and government from the state and the, and the federal are going to get back either. So, I mean, I think they have a tough job because they got to sit and wait and see what the other two state and federal government do first. So, I mean, I think this, the local governments are doing a good job. There's people calling like, you know, Coos and, and Renner about open up the city now. And I don't know if they understand that's not really their call. Um, what else could they be doing? I guess, I mean, maybe may more better communication uh, would be the only thing I could think of. Yeah. I just saw on there's 28, 28 days period. So around 30. Now, Jeremy, you got any thoughts about the reaction to COVID that the cities have had city and town have had? Well, well, they, I mean, mixed, I, I see all the conversation about um, there's people hurting uh, and cle- clearly there are. Um, I hear a lot of demands. I hear a lot of, you need to do this. And, and I, I think I'm a little similar to you, and that I'm, I'm like, where's the data? Uh, let, let's not talk hypothetically. What do we have? What cases do we have? Um, and it seems to me a little bit of political agendas getting pushed. You know, using using a crisis as opportunity. On the flip side, if if that's the way it is, okay. Well, let's fix the streets. Let's nobody's driving on them. Let's get out there. Let's use the money. Get people. You know, you can you can make arguments both both ways on that. Um, I think it's it's wise to kind of assess what's going on. Um, like Justin said pretty well there that uh, it's it's not the local municipality's call to to reopen, but at the same time, they can make the call to say we're not going to be a barrier, we're not going to enforce or shut you down or, or things like that. And I, I wish that there was a little more guidance around that of um, – I'm, I'm seeing that from some other communities like, a, again, I'll, I'll say that Ford County, you look, the drive-in movie theater, for example, and come on, there, 
that should be able to be open. Um, you're sitting in your car, you're watching, watching a movie. I'd, I'd like to see more of those sort of conversations coming out of that, of how can we give some guidance, not order, but how can we give some guidance to say, we're all in this together, let's be responsible, and there's a way to do it. And, and like the curbside sort of stuff, or like Justin was saying with his business of, um, hey, we're opening, but here's what steps we're going to take to be responsible. I think that's the, the right approach and guidance that we need to be doing right now. Yeah. I just saw um, the the Harvest Moon drive-in is, is open this weekend. Um, I was reading through their restrictions, though, and they are very strict. Um, you have to stay in your car. Have you guys ever been out there to that uh, drive-in? Yeah, I have. I have. It's, it's awesome. Several years yeah. ago. Yeah. I, I We go quite a bit, and um, with the family of my size, with five people in it, there really isn't any way to sit in the car, all of us, and comfortably see the screen. So right now they're making everyone stay in their car. So it doesn't quite work for us. But, you know, for people in different situations, it's a great thing that they're doing. They're opening up. They're only doing half capacity, so the cars are six feet apart, asking people to um, limit trips to you know the, the the food and the restrooms and to not hang out outside or bring grills like people do sometimes. So, um you know, a good example of are you, moving towards and reopening. Able, Go ahead. As, are you able to take your truck and I, I, I've been involved in this and seen other people do it where they, you know, take a truck and back up and put their their oh. uh, their hmm. like seats in the back and have the kids sit on the tailgate and watch. I wonder if you're able to do that. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, um, but I'll try to. But that's, that's to. an example. That's an example where I'd rather let them kind of make that call to a degree than somebody in chicago saying what they can do yeah yeah it's just making a good argument for local control on things i'd say for them to be able to make the decision on the ground based on what they're seeing um so yeah um so yeah i was um i'd say the thing that came up in the Bloomington city council that probably had me disagreeing the most. It was a quote from a public comment and GLT put it out. And the the quote was that, uh, government should make it, should not, should make it so that charities aren't necessary. And I'll admit, I, my usual practice when I see a quote is to go in and see the overall context of who said it and what they were saying. And I did not take the time to do that this time. So it could have been that that was plucked out of context, but regardless, I think that that, that sentiment is backwards from how I'm inclined to approach it. I tend to think you see who is set up to either, whether they're like, you know, formal charities or whether they're churches or whether they're just people who come together to help people, like not part of a specific organization. I, it seems to me like the city has taken the approach of let's see how the people on the ground are reacting and helping each other and then assess that and then see if there's some additional need that the city can fill from a municipal standpoint, whether it's making connections, whether it's education or whether it is financial, um, so, um, so yeah, do you guys have any, any other thoughts on that agreement on that point or want to argue with me on it? I'll say, I mean, I, I think, I don't think we're anywhere close to getting rid of charities and nor should we, um, 
that, that I think that should always be around. But I know ideologically, just for me, I mean, I do think the government should take it, take care of, you know, those that are suffering in their community, uh, whether it's local government or federal government. Um, I mean, we should make sure that our, that our neighbors don't drown. <laughs> and so I do believe that. Um, but there's always going to be a need for charity. I, I agree with, with what the end there of what, what Justin's saying, the need for charity. Um, I not surprisingly come from a little bit different stripe and, and I, uh, think that you, you need to let the free market, you need to let the charities and you need to let that stuff try to help out. There's going to be gaps and that's, that's where a government can step in and help when it's needed. But I, I saw that quote too, and just went, Oh my gosh. Um, in my opinion, wrong approach. And, and I think that was the speaker. I think it was about two weeks ago. I was watching it on the, uh, the, the watching the council meetings back. And I think that's when it was said, cause there was about 12 speakers right there. Uh, as they were considering uh, Crable and uh, Creo's uh, um, ask for for funds, yeah. But kudos to GLT for pulling out a uh, pulling out a brief controversial statement that could get us uh, get us engaged in the conversation, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> good job, GLT. Um, all right. Well, there's, we can kind of switch gears here. The other thing on the on the agenda is um, a little bit more. Uh, wonky <clears throat> economic development proposal related to expanding the enterprise zone. And as we were talking about before we turned the recording on, I I get a little bit confused about enterprise zones and TIF districts and stuff like that. I feel like I can't quite grasp what all the benefits are and the money going in and out. Um, do, you, do one of you guys feel like you got a sense of what the Bloomington Normal Enterprise Zone represents, what the benefits are? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I know exactly what it is, but I could tell you an enterprise zone in itself. I mean, it's just an area, um, that encourages economic growth. So it's similar to a TIF district in that way, but I've always, uh, saw enterprise zones being much more simple. Um, most commonly related to like infra- infrastructure incentives, um, sometimes like reduced regulations, that type of thing. Um, but it's just to help encourage the growth, um, attract investments from private companies. So this enterprise zone locally, I, yeah. I found it. I'm trying to remember. I think it's Bloomington Normal, Ford County, and then I think like Gibson City's in there. I'm, I'm remembering back from Brant Industries when they went to expand, and I remember Gibson City having a play in it as well. Um, so I think what we're what the city's voting on is to to expand that, and I don't think there's a lot of opportunity to expand it. I don't know. I again, I didn't read what this candy company is is trying to do, but I think we're pretty close because I think ours can only be up to 15 acres, and I know we're over 14 now. Um, so they can't expand it that much, but that's what they're voting on is basically to expand that zone, um, to give a tax incentive, whether it be sales tax while they're building out this factory, um, to help encourage economic growth with the building of it, as well as hiring additional employees there. Justin, do you know, is that building the old, uh, Hershey or the Nestle bike out on the West side of Bloomington or is I, it? I think, I think it's the, uh, yeah, the on bike road off of Fox point or Fox. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. Yeah, I got, I got the map here. Okay, it's uh, page page one hundred three of the agenda packet. If anyone's following along, <laughs> um, might need to put a link up for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's what's your view on that? That's, that's a good idea. I know you uh, yeah. you follow the strong town stuff. What what's your view on that? Uh, I have to say I I can't I haven't quite internalized 
this concept as well as some other ones. I need to do some more thinking about it. Um, there's a concept called economic grooming, and it's a there's an organization that is real passionate about economic grooming. And I just heard uh, like an hour long discussion with the the founder of that movement, and this is the best I can kind of this is the best I can kind of represent that at this time. His position is that what you should try to do is try to find stage two companies. And so if you're, if you got like a stage one company is just like a complete startup, they've got an idea, but they're probably less than a year old. And there's, there's really not any certainty whether that idea is going to catch on. Um, stage two companies are ones that are maybe like one to five years old. They've got a proven concept. They've got an employee base. They've got steady cash flow. And they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I take this innovation to the next level? How do I grow my business and um, leverage like economies of scale and serve like a broader customer base? And and stage three companies are ones that have already gone through that growth. And then the question and challenge for them is, how do I efficiently make this good in order to like maintain my profit over a long term? And, um, and so what he was saying is that a lot of economic development tends to focus on the stage three companies who are, okay, like I need to make a further investment, I need to make a further expansion and then if like an efficiency play, but you don't really get the exponential growth out of that, that you do by investing in locally started stage two companies. And also that financial investments don't tend to have a very good turnaround because if you give them a, a million dollar incentive and they create um you know 10 jobs okay you could just pay 10 people a hundred thousand dollars and it'd be easier um and so a lot of the cost benefit doesn't really work out when you think about what all benefits are being put into things so um like i said i haven't totally internalized it but that is a, a that's a perspective that's out there that kind speak against this type of approach for an international company creating a slightly bigger facility here. Um, I think it, that that idea is kind of expressed by the the fiscal conservative side in town when they speak against tax incentives for growth, say it's it's not fair to other businesses that are here locally. Why are we why are we giving them a tax incentive if why wouldn't they do this investment without the tax incentive? Can't they just do it on their own? And if they can, is it really a viable thing? And um, so I, I think that's that's sort of the argument. The best I can frame the argument against doing something like this. Did that make any sense at all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I was following. So I mean, I, I understand some of the arguments on doing not doing it. Um, I mean, but I I I, I often think those are short sighted. Um, you can't put you know, a business of my size or, or a small business in the same category as, as a, a company like this. I mean, we're talking about a facility that maybe perhaps they don't expand, they go away. And currently they employ, I don't know, two, 300 people there probably. So, you know, if they can't do it here, what's stopping them from going somewhere else? So the, the fear of loss of a company this size is also there. Um, also, you know, this company is putting, but- go ahead. I was going to say, Justin, but don't come. I mean, companies know that too. So they play that and they play cities against each other. They, but, and, and then it ends up becoming like a, a you know race to the, the biggest pile of money. 
Of course. And that's why, I mean, you got to find a middle ground because, I mean, you can't you can't not play that game either. Right. You'll lose that game. You lose yeah, time. Right. You can't not play it. But yeah, I mean, to your point, you can't, you know, try to win the game every time either. Um, you got to you got to definitely highlight some of the other attractive things about your community. And I think I'm, I'm remembering the GLT article that they said, uh, what's this company's name? Ferrero, Ferraro, something like that. Um, Ferrero, yeah. Yeah, they said, you know, they, they like our community because of our workforce. And I mean, that's all the Economic Development Council and the communities, you know, expressing what 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 the other things that they should be attracted to are. But on top of that, you couple that with some economic incentive and hopefully that gets them to come here. Um, I, what was it, Tyson, if you have the, I don't know if you have it up in front of you, but um, I think they were yeah, I do. 30 to 50 employees. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. 30 to 50 employees. So, I mean, they're uh, roughly what um, adding 20% um, to their, to the workforce, they're going to expand 70, 60, 70 million, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, which I think if we, if I'm again, going back to brand industries and that passed everywhere pretty easily, um, at least at the, you know, government level, I know there were still some private sectors that weren't happy about it, but, um, I think that was half of that. I think that was like 35 million they invested up there and that passed easily. I see this passing easily. I don't think there's going to be anybody that's going to hesitate at, especially at this current state that we're in to have a potential to add jobs to the community um, and, and add investment to the community. So, Oh yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think this will pass unanimously or, or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Donna Bolin will, will go against it or there might be some, it might not be unanimous, but it'll pass easily. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. I think there's less, uh, there's less uh, fight back against some of the, especially like a manufacturing or, or um, going back to kind of that Stan Nord economic engine um, discussion that he's had on your podcast previously, that uh, you're getting outside businesses coming in, setting up jobs, as opposed to a restaurant where it's really, okay, I choose to not eat here and I choose to eat there instead where I'm shifting money around. Something right. like a brand, something like a Rivian um, it's something like this potentially, uh, less objection than something like, um, the Tawanda Plaza one where it's, uh, Hey, we're redoing a strip mall. So Dick's and five below can come in and take Kmart's spot. Um, that that's more of a shift in my opinion. So yeah. I see, I see you get less pushback on these sorts of, um, like a manufacturing outside money coming in to the community. Yeah. And I found the description of the benefit while we were talking. Um, it's exemption on retailers, occupation tax paid on qualified building materials. So, yeah. I mean, the incentive is not huge, right? It's it's a little bit of a perk. Um, and this is so taking back, the. Go ahead. It goes back. I was just gonna say it goes back to the argument where if they don't expand, uh, we're not getting that sales tax anyway. Um, and so here we have where they're going to upgrade a building um, that, I mean, that building's got to be 50, 60 years old, probably. Um, so they're going to upgrade a building that if they were to move out would be another huge abandoned building. So now we're just incentivizing them to keep their, pl- keep their place up, keep people employed, um, have hopefully local labor come in and do it. I know that's always a controversial thing, too. But um, either way, there's going to be money stimulated into the economy uh, with employment. So I don't know. I, 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 to, to Jeremy's point, like I'm not, I'm not always for economic incentives either. Um, the restaurants one's a good example. Um, I think that one you got to like, the, you know, if if you're just shifting money around in that aspect, I'm not, I'm not usually as much in favor of it. But this is a, this is a big employer in town, um, and, and they're looking to grow in our community. Um, 
And as given our current state where we have record unemployment right now, um, this is an opportunity to filter us a little bit from that. I, yeah. But, and, and I want to say they used to be a top 10, that, that facility. I mean, it used to 20 years ago be huge. Yeah. Tons of, tons of people. Yeah, I did. I, I, I knew people that worked out there, you know, um, for a while, but I mean, it'd be nice to get that back. Right. I mean, we need to improve some of that manufacturing, some of that blue collar, um, employment here locally to help diversify it a little bit. So I've been stuck in <laughs> and insurance yep. and, and we, we were grateful for those obviously, but we need to diversify our workforce. Um, certainly. Yeah. I think something to make me more comfortable there, there's a, um, what, what page is this now? Uh, I lost my page numbers. Dang it. What are you doing here? Ah, there we go. So page 80, not geez, page 98 of the, of the packet has a letter from the Bloomington EDC to the city. And, um, so I, I think this illustrates one of the things that bothers me about a lot of the economic incentives though. He, he is, it, it lists risks and benefits, which is what you should do, but it doesn't really give you, uh, it risks is it doesn't have any numbers in it, so it says there's a risk of lot there's a risk of loss of possible local sales tax on building materials and available acreage in the enterprise zone. Um, and then also there's there's benefits. It's saying the investment they're going to make and the creation of this many jobs. So if if I want if I'm looking at like a cost like a cost benefit analysis or a risk benefit analysis like. I, if I was making the decision, I'd want to see more quantification of that. Like, what's the range of local sales tax we think we could lose on this? And then you say, like, okay, each one of those jobs costs, you know, maybe 40, uh, you know, 2% of that. That's how much each job is costing us. And then the other thing I'd like to see more of is more tracking of these tax incentives to see how they pan out over time and if we're really if we're really getting back what we think we're losing from them, it it would provide more transparency and more confidence for me. I'm kind of going into what my day job is as a manager at State Farm, you know? You could tell what you do for a living. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think, I think when I, people I say like, Hey, you got to run your bit, you got to run city like a business. I, I think in some ways it's true in some ways it's not, but I, I do think in that way of like tracking to make sure you're really making good investments is, is appropriate to, to run a city more like a business. So, it, it, and I'm joking with you, but, but I, I agree with you. I, but I also understand the the difficulty of quantifying some of those things. Like some of the, there's so many assumptions um, that are thrown in there that I think depending on who's doing the, the data collection, you can make it say whatever you want it to say uh, based on the, the variety of assumptions that are going to be associated with that. Um, but you know, getting a couple different angles isn't a bad thing. And I, and I agree with you, the more data, the better. Um, I think it's hard to quantify. Yeah. And the cost and the, the, and the process of collecting that data and vetting those assumptions also, I mean, there's also a cost associated with that too, for the EDC and for our, and, and I, and I think that's you know, for the city's that, resources too. So I, that's forgot a lot. I think when, when everybody wants these things, they forget that there's, there's time and people going into doing those things that cost the taxpayers money also, um, you know, uh, the, if, if you got all your people doing this one project, it's delaying a lot of other projects. So, yep. Yes. Yes. Great. And, and, and I want to highlight something you said there, Tyson, of the, um, we, people do it, you know, we, we create these things and then we kind of move on to the next thing to build the next thing instead of saying, Hey, did that really work? And it, one of the things that frustrates me is, 
um, not having that data, not having good data, not looking back at the data, or if the data tells a story opposite of what our agenda might be, then it's like, well, let's ignore that. Pay attention over here. That's that's the part that just riles up, you know, the opponents and 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 gets more people pushing against some of these. Where now maybe you take down a a good idea because the last three ones didn't work out as well, and so these all don't work. That's not the right approach either. Um, I, I wish yeah, we spent you're, you're more time looking a, back. You were cutting out a little bit, but I think what you were saying, if I if I pieced it together right, that if you look back at the data and it doesn't tell a story that you like, to to not ignore that either, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And you just can't. You shouldn't just move on to the next project. Well, that that worked great, so let's move to the next one and build the new thing. That that's tempting. And then you got five, six, seven projects, and you're not looking back at the data saying, hey, one, two, and three didn't work at all. Four worked really well. Let's replicate that. Um, and, you know, people, we either don't gather the data, we don't take as much time looking back to learn from that, and then we're not accounting in for um, some of the down-the-road costs, you know, the, the like infrastructure replacement in 20 years or, or those sort of pieces that that gets lost when you're not looking at the data, when you're not looking back and saying, what was the true economic benefit? Uh, I think, Justin, you said it was like short-sighted. Yeah. You know, it's it's you got to look at that full like thirty year replacement picture as well, and and if you put that data in, and have meaningful data after five years of what did this do, then what? Cutting out again? No, we got you. Yeah, we got you though. Yeah, it's uh it's tough with politics too because the people making the decision aren't um like they don't necessarily have the incentives to think about okay how's this going to look in twenty years um. Because they're they're not going to be in that position anymore, right? But that's why you elect people of character who can who can you know do the right thing, and um, and if you see them making short sighted choices, then you can you know try to vote differently next time. But um, I think on the whole, I, I wouldn't consider the uh, if you take the all the city council members, I feel like they've got the best interests of the city at heart, and they're trying to make the make decisions now that will put us in the best position in the future. So I, I again, think this will fit into that and they'll, they'll vote for it. Well, well, interesting. What, we, what, uh, we go ahead. One other thing that I saw on the agenda that I didn't know if you guys were wanting to chat on, um, was that very first point about how much the bills were down. Um, and, and, that that was that was surprising to me. I mean, I saw that number, and and I know not everybody likes uh, the BLN News website, but there was a kind of comparison back and forth of last year to this year, and it was eye opening to me how much the spending has and dropped. And you're seeing that kind of the COVID nineteen on a local level, the have that impact. And and oh, interesting. That was no, I didn't it, I didn't look at that history there. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something like, you know, this time a year ago, we we're spending $8 million on a bill's payroll. And this time it's 3 million. I mean, it was, it was, it was a significant drop off, um, huh. in, in money going out. And that, that was, you knew it'd be a little lower, right? But I didn't know that it would be that, that big of a drop. Do you know what that's, did, um, did she go into what that's attributed to, or did you look into it all? Like what is actually decreasing? Um, I, I didn't get too much of a, a chance. There was like about 10 line items. And I noticed the bottom two on, on her, the article was like, here's this pay category. Here's this pay category. And they were, they were both, you know, last year was a million each. And now they're like 
a hundred thousand or fifty thousand. I, I want to hmm. say one of them might have been like a. Um, uh, well, let me look look back and, and pull the data because again, it was one of those like eye popping. Holy cow! Dug into it just a little bit and said, "Wow, there's something yeah. there." Uh, and you, you got to dig in. <laughs> yeah, and then then Friday night hit and I moved on. So oh, that's fun. <laughs> that is interesting that that's dropped. It'll be interesting to see if that comes up in conversation at the uh, at the council meeting or not. They probably will just approve it to the consent agenda. So. Hmm. Oh. Cool. Well, um, let's see. We we failed at our attempt to keep it less than thirty minutes, but that's that's how it always goes when we start talking about stuff. Um, anything else for the good of the cause, guys? It's a beautiful day out, so I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah. No. I uh, I think this is good. Um, I, I kind of like these little short episodes talking about what's currently happening within our within our local uh, government. So maybe we could do a few more of these. Yeah, we'll see how people like it. Try to get it out today so that people kind of know if there's something else they want to look into in it, then gives them a chance to do it. So, yeah, I'll put the link to where you can find the agendas in the show notes. I I also appreciate the tone of these sort of things. Um, You don't always get to go this in depth and and talk out different things. I think this is a a good service. So, yeah, appreciate appreciate both of you having the conversation. Thanks. Next time we'll talk about the uh, something like the welcoming ordinance and just really dig in. <laughs> just <laughs> I think I'm sick that day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I uh, wanted to thank uh, BRE Law. They uh, they're still a great sponsor for us, and they are open by the phone. I don't know the status of whether the building's reopening, but go ahead and give them a call. Just because COVID's going on and you're sheltering in place does not mean that everything in life stops and you still have your legal needs. And they're a great local source to try to help you with whatever, whatever kind of problems you're having. So um, check them out in brelaw.com. Is that their site? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, brelaw.com. Check them out and uh, give them a call and they can uh, they can get, get you the help you need. And, um, and also, hopefully Play Normal Esports can open up again, socially distanced gaming. Um, and uh, and go check out normal gadgets. They're still operating. So, all right, gentlemen, be well. And you uh, as well. See you soon. All right, you, you too. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.